Volume 5, Chapter 12, Part 2 of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Amanda Hindman. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress by Frances Burney. Volume 5, Chapter 12, A Man of Business, Part 2. Meanwhile, Mr. Simpkins, hoping to ingratiate himself with the company, advanced to Mr. Hobson, already cooled by finding himself unanswered, and reproachfully said, Mr. Hobson, if I may make so free, I must needs be bold to say I am quite ashamed of you, a person of your standing and credit for to talk so disrespectful, as if a gentleman had not a right to take a little pleasure, because he just happens to owe you a little matters of money. Fie, fie, Mr. Hobson! I did not expect you to behave so despisable. Despisable, answered Mr. Hobson. I'd scorn as much to do anything despisable as yourself, or anything misbecoming of a gentleman. And as to coming to such a place as this may be, why, I have no objection to it. All I stand to is this, let every man have his due, for as to taking a little pleasure, here I am, as one may say, doing the same myself. But where's the harm of that? Who's a right to call a man to account that's clear of the world? Not that I mean to boast, nor nothing like it, but, as I said before, five times five is fifteen. That's my calculation. Mr. Harrel, who during this debate had still continued drinking, regardless of all opposition from his wife and Cecilia, now grew more and more turbulent. He insisted that Mr. Simpkins should return to his seat, ordered him another bumper of champagne, and saying he had not half company enough to raise his spirits, desired Maurice to go and invite more. Maurice, always ready to promote a frolic, most cheerfully consented, but when Cecilia, in a low voice, supplicated him to bring no one back, with still more readiness he made signs that he understood and would obey her. Mr. Harrel then began to sing, and in so noisy and riotous a manner, that nobody approached the box without stopping to stare at him, and those who were new to such scenes, not contented with merely looking in, stationed themselves at some distance before it, to observe what was passing, and to contemplate, with envy and admiration, an appearance of mirth and enjoyment which they attributed to happiness and pleasure. Mrs. Harrel, shocked to be seen in such mixed company, grew every instant more restless and miserable, and Cecilia, half distracted to think how they were to get home, had passed all her time in making secret vows that if once again she was delivered from Mr. Harrel, she would never see him more. Sir Robert Floyer, perceiving their mutual uneasiness, proposed to escort them home himself, and Cecilia, notwithstanding her aversion to him, was listening to the scheme, when Mr. Marriott, who had been evidently provoked and disconcerted since the junction of the baronet, suspecting what was passing, offered his services also, and in a tone of voice that did not promise a very quiet acquiescence in a refusal. Cecilia, who too easily in their looks saw all the eagerness of rivalry, now dreaded the consequence of her decision, and therefore declined the assistance of either, but her distress was unspeakable, as there was not one person in the party to whose care she could commit herself, though the behaviour of Mr. Harrel, which every moment grew more disorderly, rendered the necessity of quitting him urgent and uncontrollable. When Marais returned, stopping in the midst of his loud and violent singing, he vehemently demanded what company he had brought him. "'None at all, sir,' answered Maurice, looking significantly at Cecilia. "'I have really been so unlucky as not to meet with anybody who had a mind to come.' "'Why, then,' answered he, starting up, "'I will seek some for myself.' "'Oh, no, pray, Mr. Harrel, bring nobody else,' cried his wife. "'Hear us in pity,' cried Cecilia, "'and distress us no further.' 
distress you cried he with quickness what shall i not bring you those pretty girls yes one more glass and i will teach you to welcome them and he poured out another bumper this is so insupportable cried cecilia rising that i can remain here no longer this is cruel indeed cried mrs harrel bursting into tears did you only bring me here to insult me no cried he suddenly embracing her by this parting kiss then wildly jumping upon his seat he leapt over the table and was out of sight in an instant amazement seized all who remained mrs harrel and cecilia indeed doubted not but he was actually gone to the chaise he had ordered but the manner of his departure affrighted them and his preceding behaviour had made them cease to expect it mrs harrel leaning upon cecilia continued to weep while she confounded and alarmed scarce knew whether she should stay and console her or fly after mr harrel whom she feared had incapacitated himself from finding his chaise by the very method he had taken to gather courage for seeking it this however was but the apprehension of a moment another and a far more horrible one drove it from her imagination for scarcely had mr harrel quitted the box and their sight before their ears were suddenly struck with the report of a pistol mrs harrel gave a loud scream which was involuntarily echoed by cecilia everybody arose some with officious zeal to serve the ladies and others to hasten to the spot whence the dreadful sound proceeded sir robert foyer again offered his services in conducting them home but they could listen to no such proposal cecilia with difficulty refrained from rushing out herself to discover what was passing but her dread of being followed by mrs harrel prevented her they both therefore waited expecting every instant some intelligence as all but the baronet and mr marriott were now gone to seek it nobody however returned and their terrors increased every moment mrs harrel wanted to run out herself but cecilia conjuring her to keep still begged mr marriott to bring them some account mr marriott like the messengers who had preceded him came not back an instant seemed an age and sir robert floyer was also entreated to procure information mrs harrel and cecilia were now left to themselves and their horror was too great for speech or motion they stood close to each other listening to every sound and receiving every possible addition to their alarm but the general confusion which they observed in the gardens in which though both gentlemen and waiters were running to and fro not a creature was walking and all amusement seemed forgotten from this dreadful state they were at length removed though not relieved by the sight of a waiter who as he was passing shewed himself almost covered with blood mrs harrel vehemently called after him demanding whence it came from the gentleman ma'am answered he in haste that has shot himself and then ran on mrs harrel uttered a piercing scream and sunk on the ground for cecilia shuddering with horror lost all her own strength and could no longer lend her any support so great at this time was the general confusion of the place that for some minutes their particular distress was unknown and their situation unnoticed till at length an elderly gentleman came up to the box and humanely offered his assistance cecilia pointing to her unfortunate friend who had not fallen into a fainting fit but merely from weakness and terror accepted his help in raising her she was lifted up however without the smallest effort on her own part and was only kept upon her seat by being held there by the stranger for cecilia whose whole frame was shaking tried in vain to sustain her this gentleman from the violence of their distress began now to suspect its motive and addressing himself to cecilia said i am afraid madam this unfortunate gentleman was some relation to you neither of them spoke but their silence was sufficiently expressive it is pity madam he continued that some friend can order him out of the crowd and have him kept quiet till a surgeon can be brought 
A surgeon, exclaimed Cecilia, recovering from one surprise by the effect of another, is it then possible he may be saved? And without waiting to have her question answered, she ran out of the box herself, flying wildly about the garden, and calling for help as she flew, till she found the house by the entrance, and then going up to the bar. Is a surgeon sent for? she exclaimed. Let a surgeon be fetched instantly. A surgeon, ma'am? she was answered is not the gentleman dead no 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 she cried he must be brought in let some careful people go and bring him in nor would she quit the bar till two or three waiters were called and received her orders and then eager to see them executed herself she ran fearless of being alone and without thought of being lost towards the fatal spot whither the crowd guided her she could not indeed have been more secure from insult or molestation if surrounded by twenty guards for the scene of desperation and horror which many had witnessed and of which all had heard the signal engrossed the universal attention and took even from the most idle and licentious all spirit for gallantry and amusement here while making vain attempts to penetrate through the multitude that she might see and herself judge the actual situation of mr harrel and give if yet there was room for hope such orders as would best conduce to his safety and recovery she was met by mr marriott who entreated her not to press forward to a sight which he had found too shocking for himself and insisted upon protecting her through the crowd if he is alive cried she refusing his aid and if there is any chance he may be saved no sight shall be too shocking to deter me from seeing him properly attended all attendance answered he will be in vain he is not indeed yet dead but his recovery is impossible there is a surgeon with him already one who happened to be in the gardens and he told me himself that the wound was inevitably mortal cecilia though greatly disappointed still determined to make way to him that she might herself inquire if in his last moments there was anything he wished to communicate or desired to have done but as she struggled to proceed she was next met and stopped by sir robert floyer who forcing her back acquainted her that all was over the shock with which she received this account though unmixed with any tenderness of regret and resulting merely from general humanity was yet so violent as almost to overpower her mr harrel indeed had forfeited all right to her esteem and the unfeeling selfishness of his whole behaviour had long provoked her resentment and excited her disgust yet a catastrophe so dreadful and from which she had herself made such efforts to rescue him filled her with so much horror that turning extremely sick she was obliged to be supported to the nearest box and stopped there for hartshorn and water a few minutes however sufficed to divest her of all care for herself and the concern with which she recollected the situation of mrs harrel she hastened therefore back to her attended by the baronet and mr marriott and found her still leaning upon the stranger and weeping aloud the fatal news had already reached her and though all affection between mr harrel and herself had mutually subsided from the first two or three months of their marriage a conclusion so horrible to all connection between them could not be heard without sorrow and distress her temper too naturally soft retained not resentment and mr harrel now separated from her for ever was only remembered as the mr harrel who first won her heart neither pains nor tenderness were spared on the part of cecilia to console her who finding her utterly incapable either of acting or directing for herself and knowing her at all times to be extremely helpless now summoned to her own aid all the strength of mind she possessed and determined upon this melancholy occasion both to think and act for her widowed friend to the utmost stretch of her abilities and power as soon therefore as the first effusions of her grief were over she prevailed with her to go to the house where she was humanely offered the use of a quiet room till she should be better able to set off for town 
Cecilia, having seen her thus safely lodged, begged Mr. Marriott to stay with her, and then, accompanied by the baronet, returned herself to the bar, and desiring the footman who had attended them to be called, sent him instantly to his late master, and proceeded next, with great presence of mind, to inquire further into the particulars of what had passed, and consult upon what was immediately to be done with the deceased, for she thought it neither decent nor right to leave to chance or to strangers the last duties which could be paid him. He had lingered, she found, about a quarter of an hour, but in a condition too dreadful for description, quite speechless and by all that could be judged out of his senses, yet so distorted with pain, and wounded so desperately beyond any power of relief, that the surgeon, who every instant expected his death, said it would not be merely useless but inhuman to remove him till he had breathed his last. He died, therefore, in the arms of this gentleman and a waiter. "'A waiter!' cried Cecilia, reproachfully looking at Sir Robert. "'And was there no friend whom for the few poor moments that remained had patience to support him?' "'Where would be the good,' said Sir Robert, of supporting a man in his last agonies? This unfeeling speech she attempted not to answer, but suffering neither her dislike to him nor her scruples for herself to interfere with the present occasion, she desired to have his advice what was now best to be done. "'Undertaker's men must immediately,' he said, "'be sent for to remove the body.' She then gave orders for that purpose which were instantly executed. Whither the body was to go was the next question. Cecilia wished the removal to be directly to the town-house, but Sir Robert told her it must be carried to the nearest undertaker's, and kept there till it could be conveyed to town in a coffin. For this, also, in the name of Mrs. Harrel, she gave directions, and then addressing herself to Sir Robert, "'You will now, sir, I hope,' she said, "'return to the fatal spot, and watch by your late unfortunate friend till the proper people arrive to take charge of him.' "'And what good will that do?' cried he. "'Had I not better watch by you?' "'It will do good,' answered she, with some severity, "'to decency and to humanity, and surely you cannot refuse to see who is with him, "'and in what situation he lies, and whether he has met, from the strangers with whom he was left, "'the tenderness and care which his friends ought to have paid him.' "'Will you promise, then,' he answered, "'not to go away till I come back, for I have no great ambition to sacrifice the living for the dead.' "'I will promise nothing, sir,' said she, shocked at his callous insensibility. "'But if you refuse this last poor office, I must apply elsewhere, "'and firmly I believe there is no other I can ask "'who will a moment hesitate in complying.' "'She then went back to Mrs. Harrel, "'leaving, however, an impression upon the mind of Sir Robert "'that made him no longer dare dispute her commands. "'Her next solicitude was how they should return to town. "'They had no equipage of their own, "'and the only servant who came with them "'was employed in performing the last duties for his deceased master. "'Her first intention was to order a hackney-coach, "'but the deplorable state of Mrs. Harrel "'made it almost impossible she could take the sole care of her, "'and the lateness of the night and their distance from home "'gave her a dread invincible to going so far "'without some guard or assistance. Mr. Marriott earnestly desired to have the honour of conveying them to Portman Square in his own carriage, and notwithstanding there were many objections to such a proposal, the humanity of his behaviour upon the present occasion, and the evident veneration which accompanied his passion, joined to her increasing aversion to the baronet, from whom she could not endure to receive the smallest obligation, determined her, after much perplexity and hesitation, to accept his offer. She begged him, therefore, to immediately order his coach, and, happy to obey her, he went out with that design, but, instantly coming back, told her, in a low voice, that they must wait some time longer, as the undertaker's people were then entering the garden, and if they stayed not till the removal had taken place, Mrs. Harrel might be shocked with the sight of some of the men, or perhaps even meet the dead body. 
Cecilia, thanking him for this considerate precaution, readily agreed to defer sitting out, devoting meantime all her attention to Mrs. Harrel, whose sorrow, though violent, forbade not consolation. But before the garden was cleared and the carriage ordered, Sir Robert returned, saying to Cecilia, with an air of parading obedience which seemed to claim some applause, Miss Beverley, your commands have been executed. Cecilia made not any answer, and he presently added, Whenever you choose to go, I will order up my coach. My coach, sir, said Mr. Marriott, will be ordered when the ladies are ready, and I hope to have the honour myself of conducting them to town. No, sir, cried the baronet, that can never be. My long acquaintance with Mrs. Harrel gives me a prior right to attend her, and I can by no means suffer any other person to rob me of it. I have nothing, said Mr. Marriott, to say to that, sir, but Miss Beverley herself has done me the honour to consent to make use of my carriage. Miss Beverley, I think, said Sir Robert, extremely piqued, can never have sent me out of the way in order to execute her own commands, merely to deprive me of the pleasure of attending her and Mrs. Harrel home. Cecilia, somewhat alarmed, now sought to lessen the favour of her decision, though she adhered to it without wavering. My intention, said she, was not to confer, but to receive an obligation. And I had hoped, while Mr. Marriott assisted us, Sir Robert would be far more humanely employed in taking charge of what we cannot superintend, and yet are infinitely more anxious should not be neglected. That, said Sir Robert, is all done, and I hope, therefore, after sending me upon such an errand, you don't mean to refuse me the pleasure of seeing you to town. Sir Robert, said Cecilia, greatly displeased, I cannot argue with you now. I have already settled my plan, and I am not at leisure to reconsider it. Sir Robert bit his lips for a moment in angry silence, but not enduring to lose the victory to a young rival he despised, he presently said, If I must talk no more about it to you, madam, I must at least beg leave to talk of it to this gentleman, and take the liberty to represent to him. Cecilia now, dreading how his speech might be answered, prevented its being finished, and with an air of the most spirited dignity, said, Is it possible, sir, that at a time such as this you should not be wholly indifferent to a matter so frivolous? Little indeed will be the pleasure which our society can afford. Your dispute, however, has given it some importance, and therefore Mr. Marriott must accept my thanks for his civility, and excuse me for retracting my consent. Supplications and remonstrances were, however, still poured upon her from both, and the danger, the impossibility that two ladies could go to town alone, in a hackney coach, and without even a servant, at near four o'clock in the morning, they mutually urged, vehemently entreating that she would run no such hazard. Cecilia was far other than insensible to these representations. The danger, indeed, appeared to her so formidable that her inclination the whole time opposed her refusal, yet her repugnance to giving way to the overbearing baronet, and her fear of his resentment if she listened to Mr. Marriott, forced her to be steady, since she saw that her preference would prove the signal of a quarrel. Inattentive, therefore, to their joint persecution, she again deliberated by what possible method she could get home in safety, but unable to devise any, she at last resolved to make inquiries of the people in the bar, who had been extremely humane and civil, whether they could assist or counsel her. She therefore desired the two gentlemen to take care of Mrs. Harrel, to which neither dared dissent, as both could not refuse, and hastily arising, went out of the room, but great indeed was her surprise when, as she was walking up to the bar, she was addressed by young Delville approaching her with that air of gravity and distance which of late he had assumed in her presence he was beginning some speech about his mother but the instant the sound of his voice reached cecilia she joyfully clasped her hands and eagerly exclaimed mr delvile oh now we are safe this is fortune indeed 
"'Safe, madam,' cried he astonished. "'Yes, I hope so. Has anything endangered your safety?' "'Oh, no matter for danger,' cried she. "'We will now trust ourselves with you, and I am sure you will protect us.' "'Protect you?' repeated he again, and with warmth. "'Yes, while I live. But what is the matter? Why are you so pale? Are you ill? Are you frightened? What is the matter?' and losing all coldness and reserve with the utmost earnestness he begged her to explain herself do you not know cried she what has happened can you be here and not have heard it heard what cried he i am but this moment arrived my mother grew uneasy that she did not see you she sent to your house and was told that you were not returned from box hall some other circumstances also alarmed her and therefore late as it was i came hither myself the instant i entered this place i saw you here this is all my history tell me now yours where is your party where are mr and mrs harrel why are you alone oh ask not cried she i cannot tell you take us but under your care and you will soon know all she then hurried from him and returning to mrs harrel said she had now a conveyance at once safe and proper and begged her to rise and come away the gentlemen however rose first each of them declaring he would himself attend them no said cecilia steadily that trouble will now be superfluous mrs delvile herself has sent for me and her son is now waiting till we join him amazement and disappointment at this intelligence were visible in the faces of them both cecilia waited not a single question but finding she was unable to support mrs harrel who rather suffered herself to be carried than led she entrusted her between them and ran forward to inquire of delvile if his carriage was ready she found him with a look of horror that told the tale he had been hearing listening to one of the waiters the moment she appeared he flew to her and with the utmost emotion exclaimed amiable miss beverley what a dreadful scene you have witnessed what a cruel task have you nobly performed such spirit with such softness so much presence of mind with such feeling but you are all excellence human nature can rise no higher i believe indeed you are its most perfect ornament praise such as this so unexpected and delivered with such energy cecilia heard not without pleasure even at a moment when her whole mind was occupied by matters foreign to its peculiar interests she made however her inquiry about the carriage and he told her that he had come in a hackney coach which was waiting for him at the door mrs harrel was now brought in and little was the recompense her assistants received for their aid when they saw cecilia so contentedly engaged with young delvile whose eyes were riveted on her face with an expression of the most lively admiration each however then quitted the other and hastened to the fair mourner no time was now lost mrs harrel was supported to the coach cecilia followed her and delvile jumping in after them ordered the man to drive to portman square sir robert and mr marriott confounded though enraged saw their departure in passive silence the right of attendance they had so tenaciously denied to each other here admitted not of dispute delvile upon this occasion appeared as the representative of his father and his authority seemed the authority of a guardian their only consolation was that neither had yielded to the other and all spirit of altercation or revenge was sunk in their mutual mortification at the petition of the waiters from sullen but proud emulation they paid the expenses of the night and then throwing themselves into their carriages returned to their respective houses end of chapter twelve recorded by amanda hindman in glen mississippi www.livinginbooks.blogspot.com